Thank you for listening to this message from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. In the Old Testament, there's only two scriptures that mention faith. Hey, thank you. It's good to have my notes with me. That way it'll keep me, it'll keep me going in the right direction. In Deuteronomy 32, it talks about the children of Israel, that they're a forward generation or they're perverse, they're twisted, they're devious, they're fraudulent, and they have no faith. No faith. But then it talks in, he, in Habakkuk chapter 2, and this is going to be our springboard text. Verse 4, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright within him, but the just shall live by faith. You know, your faith is not for Sundays and Wednesdays. It's not for funerals and baptismal services. It's not really even just for hard times. But your faith is what you live by. Your faith has to do with your family, with your choices, with your money, with uh, how you work, with uh, the way you raise your children, with your moral choices. Faith has to do with everything. It's you live by faith. And everything that the believer does is to be, how can we say this, moved or affected by their faith. Now, in the verse here, it tells us what the antithesis of faith is. It says, behold the proud, his soul is not upright within him. Other translations say his heart is not upright within him, but the just shall live by faith. So, The opposite of faith is not fear. The opposite of faith is pride. And pride and faith cannot coexist together. James said this, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he, God says, that he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, God resists those that are proud, but to the humble, he gives grace. The humble are the people who simply say, I need God. I need God in everything that I do. I need God's wisdom. I need his presence. I need his counsel. I need God's help in making decisions. I need God's help in my marriage. The humble are the people who say, I need God. Now, Pride really is the natural condition of man. That's why when Martin Luther in uh, 1517, October the 31st, he went to the door of the church in Wittenberg and he put his 99, his, nailed his 95 theses on that door. And the first five of those have to do with the subject of repentance. Right? Repentance. And why? Because the natural condition of man is to be prideful, is to try to do things on his own. I recently read a book entitled The Road to Character, and I wanted to read a little bit of it here. It says, we have seen a broad shift from a culture of humility to a culture of what we might call the big me, from a culture that encouraged people to think humble of themselves to a culture that encourages people to see themselves as the center of the universe. In 1950, the Gallup organization asked high school seniors if they considered themselves to be a very important person. At that point, 12% said yes. 
In 2005, they were asked the same question and 80% of the of the, the students said they considered themselves to be very important people. Psychologists have a thing called the narcissism test. Right? They read people's statements and ask them to respond. Like, I would like to, I like to be the center of attention. I show off if I get a chance because I'm extraordinary. Somebody should write about a biography about me. All right. The medium score, all right, on the narcissist test has gone up 30% in the last two decades. 93% of young people score higher than the medium score just 20 years ago. This apparent rise in self-esteem has also brought a tremendous increase in the desire for fame. Fame used to be ranked low of life's ambitions. In 1976, survey showed that among young people that Fame ranked 15th out of 16th in their desired goals. By 2007, 51% of young people reported that fame was one of their top goals. Pride is a deadly, deadly thing. Uh, William Branham was an evangelist in the 1950s and 60s. Very, very famous evangelist. It seems... God used William Branham maybe more than anybody. A few months ago, we had Marilyn Hickey here. How many remember when Marilyn came? Right? Afterwards, we got together with some of the elders and deacons of the church, and we were in the back, and uh, we had a little meal with Marilyn, and then I asked her to get up and, and share some of the experiences that she had. And she told us this, this story. But when she and Wally were first married, uh, they were trying to get pregnant and couldn't, went to the doctor, and the doctor simply said, it is impossible. He said, you, you will never conceive. And uh, she went to a William Branham meeting. Now, she said he, he, would, he would pray for people differently. He didn't line people up. He would typically sit in a chair or just stand and have people come up one at a time. And when she came up, he said to her, he said, you're not from here. He said, you're from Denver. Now, he said, when, as soon as she got in front of him, she said there was a wheel in the middle of a wheel spinning in front of her. And she could hear it going around. Now, by the way, it's in Ezekiel chapter 1. She could just hear it. It's going. And she said, I knew. She said, if I stepped into that, I would be dead. Right? And then he said to her, he said, you've come here because you've been unable to conceive. He says, go home and receive your miracle." And she said, and when he said that, that, whew, that noise, that wheel just came right into her body. And of course, most of you have watched her on television and seen her daughter, Sarah, who was a result of that. Now, Lester Summerall used to come. Now, now listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. I'm, not, I'm just telling stories. All right. Lester Summerall, who in his last later years lived down in South Bend, Indiana, had a great church down there, used to come and preach for us. All right. Now, he told me this story about William Branham. He said, I had him come and do a meeting. He said, and we, we rented, I think it was a civic auditorium or, or a large auditorium. He said, and when he finished, he said, now I want to pray for people. I want to pray for the sick and people that are in need. Right? And he said, he sat in his chair. He said, and the first woman that came, he said, when she was walking up, he said, you're not here for yourself. He said, you're here because you're concerned about your husband. 
He said, you know that red-haired secretary that he has? Right now, he is in, and he named the hotel. He says he's in that hotel, and he is committing adultery with her right now. But don't worry about it, because he'll be dead in six months. Number one, Lester said, 90% of the line left. (laughs) Secondly, he said, I grabbed her, Lester said. He said, I got all her information. He said, I called her up later. And four months later, her husband died. What I'm telling you is William Branham had a very unusual, very, very, very powerful ministry. Uh, after a while, some people came up to William Branham and said to William Branham, they said, you know, they said, you're Elijah. You know, the Bible talks about Elijah going to come back. Malachi chapter four, you're Elijah. He said, no, that's not so. That's not so. I'm just a servant of the Lord. And somebody else, you're Elijah. He said, no, that's not so. Somebody else said, you're Elijah. And he said, no, that's not so. And somebody else said, you're Elijah. He said, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody, all right? And uh, there are still in the United States today churches. We call them Branhamites. And uh, they get together and they listen to William Branham's tapes, right? And they're waiting for him to come back. Now, I had heard Kenneth Hagin talk about this, but Marilyn was actually there. There were only like 15 people, a living room. Kenneth Hagin was there and he prophesied. And this was the beginning of December, 1965. And he said, before the end of the year, he that's at the forefront of the healing ministry will die. On the 24th of December, William Branham was in a head-on automobile accident and died. Now, let me just say this. The, The danger of success in any area is pride. The danger of success in any area is pride. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, command those who are rich. Now, somebody who's rich has had success in the financial realm. And it says, this is what it says. Rich in this present age, not to be haughty or do not be what? Proud. Proud. You know, rich people have their own set of temptations. And one of them is pride. Success in any area brings extra temptation in the area of pride. Right? Again, God gives grace to the humble, right? but he resists the proud. Right? And man's basic nature is in rebellion against God. Man's natural inclination is to rule over his own life, to heap up treasure for himself, to glory in his own strength and ability, to trust in his own wisdom and left to himself, he's foolish, self-centered, and pride, proud. Once you think about this, the reason that sin came into the world is because of the devil. And do you know what the original sin was? The original sin was not eating the apple. The original sin was in Satan's heart. And it says this in Isaiah 14. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, and how are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you said in your heart... I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. And I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. And I will be like 
the Most High. The original sin in the devil's heart was pride. Instead of dependence on God, he wanted to be God. I will be like the Most High. Now, some of the things that really put pride in check in our life, and the first one is gratitude. Having a grateful heart to God. Thankful heart. Now, thankfulness is not a natural human condition. Did you know that? You, you know, you, when your kids are little, you give them something. How many of you know there isn't a whole lot of thank yous? When Jesus healed the ten lepers, you know, the Bible said that only one came back to say thank you. Right? But thankfulness really keeps pride in check. It's recognizing our dependency upon God. And, and really, faith... A big part of faith is our dependence on God. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 10. Only by pride comes contention. Only by pride comes contention. But with a well-advised wisdom. You know, if you're always in the middle of contention and strife, the Bible says the only way that contention shows up, the only way strife shows up, the only way that there's constantly bickering is when there's pride. It's a sign that we need to check our hearts. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, there's six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. And the first one is a proud look. In Psalms 138 and verse 6, Though the Lord is on high, he regards the lowly, but the proud he knows from afar. The proud he knows from afar. Now, I want to just give you some of the the ways that we can spot pride in our own life. And it really is something that we need to check constantly because pride really is the root of sin. It's the root, right? The first way to check against pride or to check and check your heart. And remember, we're talking about faith, but pride and faith cannot coexist. And we are living in a culture that really promotes pride. An independent spirit is a sure sign of pride, not looking to help from God or man. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God tells the children of Israel, he said, now I'm going to bring you into this beautiful land. He said, you're going to eat bread without scarcity. You're going to lack no good thing. You're going to live in beautiful houses. You're going to have vineyards that you didn't plant and wells that you didn't dig. And then he said, you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power the ability, the ingenuity, the ideas, the connections, the giftedness to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto your fathers, even as it is this day. God says, there is a tremendous danger that I bless you and I bless the work of your hands and you think it's all you. It's that that independent spirit. You are the self-made man. It's mine, I earned it, and I'm keeping it. I'm going to do what I want with it. Well, that's nothing but pride. Second sign of pride, prayerlessness. 
prayerlessness. Right? Um, I read a while back the average pastor in America prays less than three hours a day. Right? Three hours, excuse me. I, you probably believe that, don't you? Less than three minutes a day. Less than three minutes a day. All right? And I don't know what it is for the average Christian, but I'm sure it's much less. All right? And really, prayerlessness is just telling God, we got this hand. We're going to take care of it. But it's in Philippians 4. It says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. The decisions that you need to make. A meeting that you're going to have. Your family, your finances, your health, where you vacation. Anything you're going to do. Pray, 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 pray. But prayerlessness says to God, I've got it covered. I can take care of myself. I do not need you. It is, again, it's a sign of that independent spirit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your path. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Prayerlessness is us telling God, God, we know that we need you, right? And humility doesn't mean that you think less of yourself. It means you think of yourself less, right? It makes us realize that we may be in the picture, but we're not the entire picture, right? Another sign of pride is being snobbish in your associations, snobbish in your associations. Again, back in Proverbs 16, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall, right? And when we've got that haughty spirit, we do not want to associate with somebody that we consider ourselves to be better than, all right? Listen to Romans 12, 16, but associate with the humble, Don't be wise in your own opinion or don't be proud of yourself. But it says associate with the humble. And if if you consider yourself too good to associate with somebody, and it can be based on, on your economic condition, it can be based on education, it can be based on class or race, whatever it is, it's sin and it's pride. And it will keep us from living a life of faith, right? God resists the proud, So look at your associations and do you associate with people that are of a different race than you are, a different economic level than you are, different educational level than you are, right? Another sign of pride is a failure to admit our mistakes. And we can take this one all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sin. God comes down, wants to have fellowship with them. He said, Adam, where are you? He said, well, I heard your voice, so I hid myself. And God says to him, have you eaten of that tree that I told you not to eat of? And he said, the woman that you gave me, she gave me of the fruit and I ate. So what's he doing? He's blaming her. God said, what happened, Eve? Well, the snake, it was the snake. He, he tricked me and I ate, right? Unwilling to take responsibility 
for our own mistakes. He who covers his sin, the Bible says, Proverbs 28, will not prosper. But whoever confesses them and forsakes them will have mercy. When we are unwilling to admit our mistakes, it's just a sign that there is pride in our lives. A rebellious attitude towards authority. When nobody can speak into your life, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And authorities that exist are appointed by God. You know, everybody needs somebody that we consider or esteem more highly than ourselves in the Lord. We all need somebody that can speak into our life. The Bible says, obey those that rule over you. Be submissive, for they must watch over your souls. I remember years ago, probably 31 years ago, went to Guatemala. Met a missionary down there. And this missionary said to me, and was proud of it, this missionary said, I don't listen to anybody. I just listen to God. Nobody can tell me that I'm missing it. And I thought to myself right there, I thought it will not be long before something goes wrong here. And it was just a short time later where uh, this this lady missionary um, married her assistant pastor as soon as he divorced his wife. And you know, nobody could speak to her. Nobody could talk to her. She wouldn't listen to anybody. You know, it is just a sure sign of pride. Right? When we demand special treatment, Jesus said the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But it will not be so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger or the servant of all. And he who governs is the one who serves. You know, when we think that we deserve special treatment, right, it's in. It's just a sign of a proud heart. In fact, Jesus said that is not the way that Christians live. It's not, your greatness is not determined by how many people serve you. Jesus said it's determined by how many people you serve, by how much you serve, not by how much you're served. There was an incident that happened to Billy Graham that I think kind of shows this. He was, he was recognized by somebody in an elevator. And they said, you're Billy Graham, aren't you? And he replied, yeah, yeah. And the man said, oh, you're a truly great man. And he said, no, I'm not a great man. He said, I just have a great message and serve a great God. That ought, to be our, that ought to be our attitude, right? Another sign of pride is an unteachable spirit. That, that idea that I have arrived, it was one of the, the biggest problems in the early church. Um, Paul addressed it in several occasions. And the, these people were referred to as the Gnostics. And, and the Gnostic spirit basically says this, if you knew what I know, you would be spiritual. If you knew what I knew, you would be really spiritual. Right? Paul said, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. I have not arrived. In any time that you or I think we have arrived, 
we're there. We have, we're, we're like perfect. We, we, nothing, needs, nothing needs to change. We don't need to grow. We don't need to repent. We are in trouble. Paul said, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, and I reach for those things that are ahead. Right? It says in Proverbs, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men who can render the, a reason and answer discreetly. Right? When we think we've arrived, when we think I don't need to hear from anybody, I don't need to learn anymore, I'm all the way there, sign of pride. Another one is exaggeration. We want to appear that we are more than we are. Appear that we're more than, than we are. Uh, I see this from time to time. Um, you know, usually on Wednesdays, I'm out visiting a pastor somewhere and kind of critiquing the, the, the ministry, preaching in a church. And it, it is amazing to me how many times when we're talking, you know, well, how many people are in the church? Well, there's, you know, there's... 800, and you get there, and there's 82. You know, and I mean, there's just a, this, these big numbers just, just show up, right? It's exaggeration, wanting to appear to be more than we are. Why? Because of pride, right? Wanting to appear to be what we're not. Right? When King Saul rebelled against the Lord, God had told him, I said, go against the Amalekites, and I want you to kill all the Amalekites and kill, kill everything. They're the ones that tried to destroy Israel as they're coming out of Egypt. So he was given this mission, but he didn't do it. He kept all the good stuff. And he said, well, it was to sacrifice it. He didn't kill the king. Right? And Samuel came and Saul said, you know, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. And he said, well, what's this bleeding of sheep that I hear and the lowing of the animals? And, and, and he said, we brought the best ones back. And he said, you know, God has judged you. He said, and you today have lost the kingdom. God has found someone else, and he's going to give the kingdom to somebody else. And then Samuel was going to leave, and Saul just kept saying, stay. And he actually tore his coat trying to keep him to stay. And then he said, I've sinned. Yet honor me, please, before the leaders of my people and before Israel and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. He was more concerned about outward appearances than he was about what was going on in his heart and his relationship with God. And when you're more concerned about what people think than what God thinks, it is a sign of pride. Boastful conversations. James chapter 4 verse 16. But now you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Again, it's a sign of pride. Intolerance of other people's mistakes. You remember the woman caught in the act of adultery, the Pharisees bring her to Jesus and say, Moses told us to stone this woman. But what do you say that we should do? And Jesus, the Bible says that he didn't answer, but he, he leaned down on the ground and began to write on the ground. And then he said, he said, whoever is among you who's sinless, let him cast the first stone. Now the Bible does not tell us what Jesus wrote, but, but I, I think, I think we have a good idea because the Bible says they begin to leave. 
And they left in order, right? From the oldest to the youngest. I personally think that Jesus wrote down sins, dates, and addresses. He'd just kind of look at somebody and they'd be gone. He'd write something else down, look up, and they'd be gone. Right? But they left in order. And then finally, Jesus was the only one that was left. And he said to the woman, he said, where are your accusers? And she said, they've all gone. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You know, but when we are unwilling right, to forgive others, to restore others, when we're judgmental, it, it's, it's not the spirit of Jesus. In fact, it is the exact opposite. Jesus said that he came to seek and save that which was lost. He said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Jesus was always willing to forgive and accept, but pride keeps us from doing it. And of course, we mentioned when there is constantly strife and tension around you, it's a sign of pride. Only by pride comes contention. When there is constantly arguing and fighting, it is a sure sign that there is pride someplace around. Then when we will not forgive others, right? When we will not forgive others, the rich and the poor, they have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. And Jesus actually in his teaching on faith, and we're going to get to this in one of the weeks in Mark chapter 11, where Jesus gives the most detailed teaching on faith in the entire Bible. And this is what he says. He says, every time that you pray, if you have anything against anyone, forgive that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Because if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will my Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. When we refuse to forgive, our faith will not function. Why? Because we're in pride. And pride and faith cannot coexist. Somebody said, yeah, but they don't deserve forgiveness. Neither do you. Neither do I, but Jesus took our sin. And the thing about Christianity is this, that we are forgiven so that we can forgive. The church is to be the forgiven community of forgiving sinners. We are to forgive the same way that we were forgiven. And when we refuse to forgive, faith will not work. It will not function. That's why Jesus put it in there in his teaching on faith. He said, whenever you pray, anything against anyone. How many know anything is all inclusive? Does not matter what they did. Anyone doesn't matter who they were. And of course, it's always the people that are the closest to us that can hurt us the most. You know, somebody comes up to you and says something you've never seen him before and insults you. It probably go off you like rubber off a duck's back. But if somebody who is very close and dear to you came and said that same thing, it would devastate you. Right? Doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what they did. Jesus said, Forgive. Forgive them. And here's the interesting thing Jesus is saying to forgive them while you pray. While you pray. Some people think that you can, you know, it may take me five years to forgive. No, Jesus said, You can forgive anybody of anything while you 
pray. Because forgiveness, it's not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision of your heart. Right? Then, of course, you say, but I still have these feelings. That's why Jesus told us some more, because he said that faith without works is dead. And that's why you pray for that person. Not that they have a car wreck. Right? You pray. You pray for that person that God will bless them, that God will reveal himself to them. You pray the blessings you would like for your life for that person. And when you do, over time, God will change your heart. And literally, the Apostle Paul refers to this as enlarging your heart. Right? He will give you compassion for that person. He'll give you understanding about what's going on in that person's life if you keep on praying for him. Somebody says, yeah, but what if the feelings come back? Then just pray some more. Just keep praying. Just keep praying. Right? But Jesus said this is so important that he said that every time that you pray, you check your heart. Right? Don't let pride, don't let unforgiveness get a root in your heart. Right? Every time that you pray, if there's anything against anyone, forgive. Right? Make sure that your faith is going to function at its full capacity. And again, pride, unforgiveness, resentment. Those are things that will keep pride alive in our hearts. But forgiveness, thankfulness, prayer are things that literally tear pride down. For more information about Res Life, please visit our website at reslife.org. If you have questions about Res Life or would like directions to visit us, please feel free to call 616 534 4923.